I had an event that take place this past Wednesday. I turned 64 years old. <clears throat> I wasn't looking for applause, but I came to Catawba in my 40s. Now I'm well into my 60s. I guess I've been here for quite a while. I'm enjoying my ministry here. I think that Catawba is one of the greatest churches around. I'm grateful for y'all. Your love for God, love for His Word, uh, your love for Darlene and me and our family, uh, your love for people. I think that makes all the difference in the world. But when you turn 64 or whatever age, it can make you think. Well, I just happened to be reading in my devotions the day I turned 64 and I came across a portion of Scripture that talked about old age. In fact, we talked about it on Wednesday night, Bible study and prayer meeting. Uh, it's a great opportunity to discuss God's Word, to, to ask questions, to answer questions and so on. Uh, but it was Psalm 71. We're going to start off there for just a couple of minutes. Psalm 71. Psalm 71. And what I'd like to do is begin reading at verse number 17. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day I declare your wondrous works. Isn't that truth for many of us? Now there's some of us that came to know Jesus Christ as, as Savior later in life. But many of us grew up in the church, grew up with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he has taught us and we can declare his wondrous works. God has been good to us. Verse number 18 says this. Now also when I am old and gray-headed... I've heard that I have some gray hair. I've heard that I have thin hair in the back, but I can't see that in the mirror. I'm not sure if I believe it or not, though pictures do show that I perhaps have that situation. When I'm old and gray-headed, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Also your righteousness, O oh God, is very high. You who have done great things, O oh God, who is like you? You have shown me great and severe troubles. You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. And then it goes on to talk about playing with the lute and the harp and so on. Uh, I don't do that. I'm not even sure what a lute is. We talked about that Wednesday night. Came to the conclusion it's somewhat like a banjo, but I'm not sure if that's right or not. Verse 23, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you my joy, excuse me, my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue shall also talk of your righteousness all day long, for they are confounded, they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. You know, as I look at this portion of Scripture, there, there are three exhortations that come to my mind. Number one, I need to realize my inadequacy. If we think that we're adequate, if we think that we stand, we need to take heed lest we do what? Fall, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. We need to realize our inadequacy. And as we grow old, sometimes we recognize that we're not as adequate as we used to be. How many of you have experienced that? Okay, I see some hands going up. Some of the things I used to be able to do, 
I can no longer do. I remember the days when I could run up on the stage. You sit and laugh so loud. <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted to ask you to come up and, and walk up on the stage and see how you do, but you'd probably do a lot better than I. We're inadequate in regard to our physical, but also how about our mental? How many of you that are getting old every once in a while forget things? How many of you have walked into a room and then you've turned around and gone back to where you were so that you could remember why you walked into that room? I think most of us have experienced that. And if you're younger and you haven't experienced that yet, you will. Sometimes we, we are very inadequate. And when we realize our inadequacy, then, then we need to express humility. Humility basically is, is not thinking too highly of ourselves. Not thinking that we have our act together. Not thinking that we have it together in such a way that we can impress other people. The Pharisees, they were proud instead of humble. They looked at themselves and they thought, you know, I'm doing pretty well. Reminds me a little bit of Fonzie. Some of you are too young to remember Happy Days, I think it was. And Fonzie, I still remember him going into a room and there's a mirror and he's going to get ready to brush his hair and he looked at it for a minute and said, just put it back. He didn't need to change anything. Some of us don't think we need to change anything, but the reality is each and every one of us are inadequate. And if we don't think we're inadequate now, wait till we get older. Not only old age, though, but also troubles. Chapter 771, or Psalm 71, beginning to read verse number 20. You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Have you experienced great troubles? Now, I think most of us recognize that, that when we look at others and the troubles they're going through, our troubles are often not as bad as we think. But most of us have gone through difficult times, whether it is the death of a loved one, like Sharon was talking about, or, or whether, whether it has to do with sickness, or whether it has to do with financial reverses or job situations. We face difficulties. We face troubles. And in the midst of our troubles, we need to be humble, recognizing that some of our troubles we just cannot rescue ourselves from. Wouldn't you agree with that? Now, the reality is God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. But as we think about our old age, some of us, as we think about our troubles, we need to exercise humility. How about our weights and our sins? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is a familiar portion of Scripture. Chapter 11 looks back to the heroes of the faith. And, and then in, in chapter 12, verse number 1, it talks about the fact that we need to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking into Jesus. Do we have some weights that are holding us back? If, uh, if I had to run a marathon right now, I would probably make sure that my will was in order before I ran the marathon. Because I, 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 don't, I don't know if I would make it. 
And some of us, as we think about the weights, the difficulties, the problems that we face, the, the inadequacies, the weaknesses that we have, we recognize that we need to exercise humility. How about sins that so easily beset us? Do you have a sin that tends to get the best of you? Now, as we mature in Christ, hopefully those sins bother us less and less. But the reality is, even when we're mature Christians, there are times that we have issues that come along, sins that come up, that we have a hard time finding victory. Now, when we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives us victory. But we need to recognize our own inadequacies and and exercise humility. Wouldn't you agree with that? If you're looking at one word, it's H, humility. Number two, not only do we need to recognize our inadequacies, humility, we also need to rely on God. And that would be faith. You know, we're not going to trust God in all probability unless we recognize our inabilities, our inadequacy. Because if we think we're adequate, then who are we going to trust? We're going to trust ourselves. But when we recognize our inadequacy, we have humility, that frees us up to trust God who can handle whatever comes our way. We need to trust in Him. Again, Psalm 71. Verse number 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord God, trusting in Him. We need to make sure that we are trusting Him when we are experiencing old age. Oh God, don't forsake me until I declare your strength and your power. When we have troubles, we pray that He will revive us and bring us up again from the depths of the earth, increase our greatness and comfort us on every side. In other words, we need to on a regular basis rely on God. Now why is faith important? Well, one thing, Hebrews 11.6 says this. Without faith, you can say the next phrase with me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God wants us to exercise faith. And, and if we don't exercise faith, we are not pleasing him. So we do need to exercise faith. John 15, 5 talks about abiding in Christ. When we abide in Christ, we'll bring forth much fruit. And then it says this little phrase, for without me, you can do nothing. If the reality of God's word is true, that without him we can do nothing, then we've got to trust God. You're familiar with Philippians 4.13. Let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, some people leave off the second half of the verse. They just say, I can do all things. Self-help books. I can do it. I'm able to accomplish whatever I want to accomplish. But that's not biblical. We can't even take our next breath without God's help. Have you ever gotten something in your eye? Not a good feeling. And it, it just sort of messes you up completely. If you... Get something in your eye when you're driving. I would recommend that you pull off on the side of the road. Because if you don't, you might wreck. Why? Even a little speck in our eye can cause us great problems. We need to recognize that without him, we can do nothing. We need to trust in God. We need to rely on 
God. God is able to make all grace abound toward us that we having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. But it's by God's grace. It's not because we're so good or so powerful. It's because God is so good and God is so powerful. So number one, realize my inadequacy. That's humility. Number two, rely on God. That is faith. Number three, Resolve to make a difference. Notice what it says in Psalm 71, 18. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. David knew that he was getting old. He knew that he was not as strong as he used to be, but he decided that he wanted to depend on God so that God could continue to use him. He did the same thing with David and Goliath. Didn't you, you remember that story uh, with, with David and Goliath where nobody else wanted to fight Goliath? I don't blame him. Nine foot one, I believe is what he was. Nine foot two, something like that. He was a big guy. He was a warrior from his youth. David did not trust in himself. Though God had worked in the past and and it had helped David's faith in God. David trusted in God. And as a result, he was victorious. And he made a difference. How many of you want to make a difference? You want to make an impact? Probably many of us do. Without humility and without faith and without diligence, we're probably not going to make an impact for God. The central part is faith. Humility is necessary for us to have faith. And if we have faith, then we will be diligent. In James chapter 2, it talks about faith without works is dead. If we're really trusting God, we're going to obey God. If we're really trusting God, we're going to serve God. Therefore, we need to resolve to make a difference. Resolve to be a blessing. And we can do that in various ways. Two things come to mind quickly. One is evangelism. If you share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody and they come to know Christ as Savior, is that a good thing? Very good thing. Two things. Number one, they spend eternity in heaven. It's a lot better than the alternative. Number two, they walk in newness of life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So one of the ways that we can make a difference is by communicating the good news of the gospel to people around us. Now every once in a while somebody will respond negatively. They might ask us a hard question. They might make fun of us. But the risk is worth it. Because if some come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, it makes all the difference in the world in, the, in their lives. We're going to be talking about evangelism in the next several weeks. We need to make sure that we are making a difference by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But how about service? Do we make a difference by serving? I think we do. There are various ways we can serve. I, I remember one person, and, and you will know her name if when I say it in just a minute, that sent cards to people. How many of you got a card from Becky Thompson? See, if you look around, probably about half the people in the church. 
She was faithful to serve in that way. Now, she served in other ways earlier. She might have always sent cards. I don't know. But she was involved in a lot of different things earlier on. But she got to a point where she could not be involved in those other ways. But she had a ministry with cards. How many of you can write? And not... How many of you can read? <laughs> All of us, or most of us, can write a note, can we not? How many of you can use a telephone? There's some people out there that would love to talk to you. They would love for you to call them and check on them and pray with them. Shut-ins is one example. Another example would be if there's somebody that normally sits near you in church and you hadn't seen them in a couple of weeks, guess what you need to do? Give them a call. There are various ways that we can serve. Uh, we, can, we can serve in the nursery. That's always an important ministry. We could teach a Sunday school life group. Uh, we can help in the kitchen. We can help around the, the facility. We need to think through how we can make a difference through evangelism, through service, and through various ways. But where we need to start is through prayer. And that's what we're going to talk about for, for a couple of minutes. We're going back to Psalm 66. Psalm 66. Prayer makes all the difference in the world. I think it was Stephen Olford that used to say, pray, pray when you feel like it. But he would go on to say, pray when you don't feel like it. And then he would say, pray until you do feel like it. We need to pray. In, in Psalm 66, the, the psalmist prays, beginning at verse number 16, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he's done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. Starts off with adoration. You've heard of the Acts method of prayer, I presume. A stands for adoration. And in verses 16 and 17, He's basically saying, come and listen. I'll declare what God has done for me. I will cry to him with my mouth. I will extol him. I'll praise him with my tongue. Should we engage in adoration? If you have children, do you like it when all the children do is they come and ask you for things? They never say thank you. They never are positive. They just say, I want this. I want that. No, we want our children to be appreciative. We want our children to be positive. I think God wants us to begin with adoration. That doesn't mean our every prayer has to start with adoration. There are times that we don't have time to do that. If our, if our, if our child uh, falls on the playground or if we're about to be in a wreck, we don't necessarily need to start with adoration. We need to say, Lord, help me or something of that nature. But adoration needs to be a constant in our prayers. We should rejoice in God's blessing. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Wouldn't you agree with that? Adoration, we tell God how much we appreciate him. How much we feel like he is worth. As we continue praying, we need to move on to confession. Look at verse number 18. It's a challenging verse. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, I don't believe personally that that means that 
that if I'm a person who, ha- who knows that I- I've sinned and I haven't dealt with my sin, that God doesn't hear the words that I say. He doesn't heed the words that I say. He doesn't listen, so to speak. He doesn't pay attention to, he doesn't agree with what I have said. Unanswered prayer is a result of unconfessed sin. Make sense? Let me say that again. Unanswered prayer is a result of unconfessed sin. So it's important for us to follow up adoration with confession. And confession is basically just saying to God, I'm guilty. I'm wrong. 1 John 1, 9 is a very familiar verse. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now he does that on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And when we acknowledge our sin to him, he forgives us. And, and that's, that's a freeing thing to be forgiven by God. But sometimes we hold on to our sin. Sometimes we don't take the steps that are necessary to deal with our sin. It might be because we're enjoying what we're doing. It might be because we're proud and we don't want God to know or anybody else to know. But of course God does know. But it's important for us to confess our sins. And he will forgive us. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think we need to recognize this. That if we confess our sins and we're sincere... And then we continue to feel guilty about our sins, then we're really not trusting God. Does that make sense? If God said, You confess, I forgive, we confess and we continue to feel guilty, then we're basically saying, God, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you're really forgiving my sin. But it's important to be sincere, to really acknowledge our sin before God and to repent. To change our mind, to want to do different. Sometimes it's not a matter of, of making a willful choice. It's a matter of neglect. But either way, it's important for us to confess our sin. Instead of regarding iniquity in our hearts and instead of allowing that sin to stay, we need to confess and to repent. So number one is adoration. Number two is confession. Number three is thanksgiving. I like thanksgiving. On on that Thursday, I normally eat a little bit too much, but I still like thanksgiving. I remember a long time ago, we used to eat, and then we'd go in our backyard and play football. It sort of evened things out a little bit. I don't do that anymore. Al used to be in our backyard quite often when we'd play football. Thanksgiving, though, is more than a day, is it not? Thanksgiving is an attitude that we have where we thank God for his many, many blessings. There's a song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. And that's exactly what we need to do. In verses 19 through 20 of Psalm 66, certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. The psalmist is thanking God for what he has done. And we need to have that attitude of thanksgiving. It talks about mercy. We are told in Hebrews 4, 16 
to come boldly before the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When God shows us mercy and grace, do we thank him for it? He has blessed us in a lot of different ways. Psalm 68:19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. We need to engage in thanksgiving on a regular basis. A, C, T. And what is S? Supplication. Psalm 67, verses 1 through 7, has a lot of supplication in it. Let me read it. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Isn't that a great prayer? Supplication is depending on God to provide our needs or to supply the needs of others. Do you need mercy? I think all of us do. If we don't, we need to go back to point number one, humility. Do we want God to bless us? Do we want God to cause his face to shine upon us? A good thing to do is to pray scripture. And so, verse number one, we could, we could pray, Lord, please be merciful to me. Please bless me. Please cause your face to shine upon me. And then we could go on to say, please use me, Lord. Verse number two, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. We talked about resolving to make a difference as we trust God. Wouldn't this be making a difference? And is it not appropriate for us to pray, Lord, change me and use me to accomplish your purposes? Do you want to be used by God? Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Isn't it good to know that God's in control? We look around and we think, wow, things are out of control. And they do seem to be. But God is always in control. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. We're talking about supplication here. And if I was going to summarize in one sentence, verses 1 through 7, I'd probably share what's on the screen. Lord, bless us so that we can be a blessing, so that all the people will praise you and fear you. Isn't that a good prayer? That God would bless us so that we can be a blessing. So that people around us will praise God. And that people around us will fear God, will respect God. It reminds me of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We need to be praying and we need to be living in such a way that people see us And they see our lives, they praise God, and they fear God. You know, as 
As we look at God's word, there, there are a lot of recurring themes. Of course, faith is one of them. But if we're going to have faith, we have to have humility. And if we do have faith, we're going to exercise diligence. So we need to realize our inadequacy, rely on God, and resolve to make a difference. But it all starts with prayer. Four things we need to be doing in prayer. What's A? Adoration. C? Confession. T? Thanksgiving. And S? Supplication. Asking God to work. Asking God to supply our needs and the needs of others. I really believe that if we're going to make a difference, we've got to have humility and faith and diligence, and we've got to pray. When we do, there's no telling what God is going to do in and through us. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James chapter 5. We need to determine by God's grace, that we are going to pray. And I would encourage you to, to, to set aside time to pray every day this week. I know that some of you probably pray for a long time. So don't, don't reduce your minutes in prayer. But I encourage you to make sure that you pray at least, let's say, seven minutes a day for this upcoming week. God's Word talks about fasting and prayer. Some of you might skip a meal and use the time you would have taken in preparation and in consumption of food and pray. Would you agree that prayer is important and it makes a difference? Raise your hand. Are you willing to commit to pray this week and in weeks to come? You know, I believe as individuals and as a church, God wants to use us significantly. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us for his glory. But it starts with prayer. We need to determine that we, by God's grace, are going to pray regularly and depend on him because that's what prayer is all about. Depend on him. To work like he wants to. For his honor and for his glory. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for your word. We pray that we will think more and more biblically. That we'll realize our inadequacy. That we'll rely on you. Because without faith we can't please you. That we'll resolve to make a difference and impact for you. We do praise you and adore you. We acknowledge our sin, confess that we so often fall short. Thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing. Thank you for your many blessings in so many ways. Thank you for this church. Thank you for, for your mercy and grace. And Lord, we do pray. We make supplication asking you to work your perfect will in us as individuals and families, and a church, and through us as individuals, a family, a church, so that your will might be done. Transform us by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove your good, acceptable, and perfect will for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.